2: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to a live Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we have something to talk about today.
1: What's the one-word reaction, Nick?
2: Oh, that's, a, that's a really good. I haven't even thought about that. Obviously, you can see that I'm pretty happy about it. Uh, I'm excited. Excited is just perfect one-word reaction. I'm excited for on Tuck Kyrie, what he can do. This is arguably the biggest free agent signing the Nets have had in it quite is. some time, maybe ever. Like. Top.
1: Come on, when I'm talking Daron Williams here, mate. We're not talking to Ed Davis, this is Kyrie Irving, uh, an All NBA superstar, championship winning player. This is this is big.
2: It, it's huge. I mean, like it's a top fifteen player. Free agency has he already hasn't even started, and you already have the commitment. I think that's a big deal too. He didn't take meetings with anybody else. Like he's not even going to take a meeting with anybody else. He's going to meet with the Nets early uh, six o'clock tomorrow, and then it's going to be a done deal. This is this is big stuff for Sean Marks when he took over the team in 2016. You know, you told me that in 2019 he was going to sign a top 15 player. I probably would have laughed.
1: Yeah, I think that that commitment shows a lot. And we can delve into the nitty-gritty of it really soon. Uh, D-Rock's uh, one-word reaction is, whoa. Um, mm. I think that's a pretty good one. My re- one-word reaction, I've been sort of mulling this over because I knew I was going to ask it to you right off the, right off the chat. Um, bittersweet. Uh, I, I think that... It, it's it's weird. It's going to take some time to process. It, it's odd how, as fans, we could become so invested in these players despite the fact that, you know, they have, you know, they're not family members, they're not close friends, but they still have such an impact on I us. They feel like it does
2: sometimes. <laughs> it
1: certainly does. And, and it's, it's like the fact, well, you know, we were chatting a little bit about movies and stuff, but, you know, the stuff that doesn't necessarily have the most tangible effect on your life and is not exactly there um, can still be incredibly impactful. Um, and for me, that's what makes this bittersweet. You know, I tweeted out the fact that, Dealers provided me with some incredible opportunities to just break down some of his insane gameplay for OTG and National Public. Um, it, it's been a, a heck of a couple of years with him and watching him grow into the player and man he has become. Um, he's going to have great success wherever he goes, but um got my third eye ready, my dude.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, I think D'Angelo deserves a lot of props. We're going to talk about him in a little bit, but came to the Nets, wasn't really sure, dealt with that whole Nick Young nonsense in LA, came here, become a star, and he helped put the Nets on the map. Like he did have an impact at changing this culture and changing the perception of the Nets. If he wasn't on the team last year, they don't make the playoffs. They're probably not signing Kyrie Irving right now. So he has not much of an impact for the success that, you know, as, as much as they are moving forward, it's kind of like Toronto had to sacrifice to Marta Rosen. We probably going to have to sacrifice the Angela Russell.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty apt comparison. So, Which route should we go down first? we Are going to go down the Kyrie route or the D'Lo route?
2: Let's go with the Kyrie. Let's say positive first because then we'll bounce in and get a little negative and sadness with the D'Lo stuff and then we'll bounce to some KD stuff. But overall, I think like we said, you know, in my eyes, I think you'd probably agree Kyrie's easily top three point guard in the NBA.
1: Uh, Yeah, no doubt. You know, um, all NBA caliber consistently. Um, the, The question for me is, and you know me, I'm always glass half empty sort of do when it comes to positive news when it relates to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, have we seen the best of Kyrie Irving already? And is he now going to be on, on the downward spiral? Um, obviously, we have incredible medical staff and there's been plenty of articles about that and how that um, relates to Kyrie and Katie and the lie. Um, hopefully, that could have a, a really positive impact on Kyrie. How we manage him, I think, is going to be um, one thing to really watch for. Uh, but Kyrie is a proven winner. Uh, proven winner by himself, not necessarily. Um, but the fact that I, I think when we chatted a little bit about the start, the fact that he is sort of gone all in with this Brooklyn Nets team. And the fact that, you know, he's just gone, look, I'm all in on this. And, you know, despite the fact that, you know, Katie hasn't necessarily committed 100% yet, um, we don't know what's going on there. We'll chat about that, obviously, a little bit later too. Um, But I'm I'm excited to see what Kyrie can bring to the Brooklyn Nets franchise. Um, My Kyrie twos and my Kyrie fours uh, had that little bit of extra um, specialness to me now because, um, you know, they're my guide now. Um, uh, They're a guide to support. Um, I have to start liking some of his Instagram posts, <laughs> um, which Brian Windhorst certainly wouldn't uh, approve of um but you know Kyrie Irving in in Brooklyn in a Brooklyn Nets Kyrie uniform is going to look pretty slick those photoshops are going to look nice
2: yeah i i'm excited like you said top 15 player we talked on Tuck talk Kyrie like he just has these moments in this, in the last you know 5 to 10 years there's a lot of moments in the NBA where you're like oh Kyrie did that you know we think of the finals with the Cavs winning like Kyrie had a huge impact on that and then also i think the biggest concern like you mentioned i think is health like The knee thing is a little bit scary. Obviously, great medical staff in Brooklyn. They've done wonders with older guys. Hopefully, they can maintain him. I would expect him to probably play no more than 70 games. I think they play him smart, especially with the injury history he's had. And I'm a little bit less nervous about the locker room stuff because, like you mentioned, he committed to Brooklyn so early. And then you and I were talking about an article that dropped on ESPN. Some of the reasons he was upset with – what was going on was Boston with some of the younger guys not taking the NBA games as serious. There was an instance where they had a back-to-back. They had just gotten into Miami coming off another game, which I believe they had lost. They were going to play Orlando the next night. Instead of, you know, staying home and staying in and getting prepped for the next day when you just played a game and you're playing another game, the team went out and did whatever they did. They lost the following night. Kyrie stayed on the court and shot and hoped that some of his teammates would continue to do the same thing. So I think some of it's a little bit of him being misunderstood. Obviously, as an adult, we needs to communicate a little bit better. But I think I could view that in a positive light, and I think that's something the culture in Brooklyn, I don't think you're going to see that as much with players being a little bit reckless. That whole idea, especially when Sean Marks took over, was like no-nonsense mentality. It's about basketball. We're about winning games here.
1: Yeah, I think that that article was, and and Jackie McMullen is probably one of the best, best, if not the best writer, and her sources are impeccable, and, and the fact that, she was so complimentary, not just uh, slightly complimentary of of Kyrie, and has been over his time in Boston, but just probably providing, providing a more balanced view of the the Kyrie hate has been, you know, out of uh, a bit out of control, to say mm-hmm. the least. Um, and the fact that sort of, you know, it was it was tempered a little bit by someone who is such a respected source um, was really positive. And the fact that, you know. You know, people will question his work, I think his personality, and I don't think you can. You can probably question his personality, um, but I think at the end of the day, these guys are, are allowed to be who they are. They're human beings. Exactly. Um, but I, I think that how he brings... I think the team chemistry will be a little bit better in Brooklyn because of what you mentioned. Um, despite the fact that we are a young team, obviously, you take out D'Angelo um, and you put guys like Spencer Dimony, Karasavar, Jared Allen... These guys, I think, are going to mesh pretty well. I think Spencer Dimworthy, probably more than any other, mm-hmm. we're going to see some duo Instagram posts, some Insta stories <laughs> with those guys. I think they'll be kind of become a real biffle, biffle trio uh, duo. And then you add in Jared Allen, who's really close with Spencer as well. Um, oh, I think it could be pretty fun. And you know, Spencer's already posted on his Instagram and one um, a, 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 a photo of him getting fouled by Kyrie Irving. So. Uh, And and we know um, from reports from Mark Stein that he was a a part of the Kyrie recruitment. So read into that what you will, but uh, it's certainly both positively.
2: I agree. I think the fact is one of the key members of the Nets is whatever you want of you, Spencer, doing he's still a six man, but he's a leader of this team. Wanted Kyrie to come and is develop somewhat of a relationship with him over the summer or this last month to kind of get him to come to Brooklyn. I think it says a lot. You mentioned Jared Allen, obviously, Harris For A lot of these guys I don't think are guys that you know, Kyrie's going to look at and be like, oh, they don't know how to behave or whatnot. We know the work ethic of a guy like LeVert, Joe Harris, you know Spencer. So, I feel pretty good about the culture and locker room side. Obviously, there's still a chance, you know, new pieces coming in. There's going to be other guys coming in later in free agency. You know, I think it would be smart of Sean Marks to hopefully bring back a guy like Jared Dudley if he can get him on the Vets minimum.
1: Oh, definitely. I think that this is move one. And I can't remember who it was that tweeted it, so I'm sorry that um, I'm not giving you credit. But I think that move two, three, four, and five is just as important. And I think that you can say the same thing about that as what's happening in Los Angeles right now yeah, you got your big fish or you, your, your first big fish at least. Can first you get that catch of the day. The <laughs> first catch of the day, exactly. Can you get that second big fish? Can you get the third smaller big fish? Can you get the everything around it that can help build the roster, build a winning team? And um, I, I think that, you know, there's literally news that just popped up. Will jumped into the chat um, that the fact that if the Nets don't land KD, that their interest will divert to Tobias Harris. Um, I think we'll stay on Kyrie Irving for a little bit before we address mm-hmm. that. But, you know, last season... You know, I think it was underrated how well Kyrie Irving did play. Nearly 24 points per game. It was crazy. It was outstanding. Nearly 24 points per game, five rebounds, nearly seven assists, which he's not necessarily known for. Nearly 49% from the field, 40% from three, 87% from the free throw line, and a PR of 24. Um, I think but when we make a direct comparison to D'Angelo Russell,
2: Kyrie Irving is a much more efficient basketball player. And I think uh, uh, Kenny and Sean kind of appreciate that a little bit more. I think they believe in the efficiency and some of the turnover stuff with D'Angelo De- might have rubbed them the wrong way.
1: Yeah, I think that... I don't know if there's... I, 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 I highly, highly, highly doubt that there is any bad will uh, in, in, in relation to D'Angelo Russell. And I think that he is a great teammate, uh, a very coachable player. But uh, I'm very interested to... You sort of touched on it very, very briefly there, Nick. The dynamic between Coach Kenny... Uh, and Kyrie is going to be one to certainly watch because there's a plenty that has come out, obviously, in relation to Kyrie and Brad Stevens, that whole government comment that he made to him in, in, a, in a video session. God, I hope he doesn't say that sort of shit to Kenny. I would be so annoyed. But um, it could provide some decent content for the buzz. Uh, that, that's saying something um, that's understating it, to, to say the least. Um, but, yeah, how do you think the, the coach-player dynamic is going to be with, with Kyrie um, and, and our boy Kenny.
2: No, okay. Kenny hasn't really, <laughs> okay, I like that, hasn't really had a coach many guys that are not coachable. I think one benefit is he's well-liked by players, whoever have dealt with him from the Knicks to the Hawks to the international teams to the Nets. I think it's easy to build respect for him because he's known for getting on the court and kind of, almost training with you obviously does a little bit less as a head coach. So I think he'll kind of buy into that. And then obviously you have the support of the other guys. And I think Kyrie also knows the narrative about him going to the season. You mentioned the Boston hate, it was high. And some of it I think was just leaked on purpose to try to make him seem bad on his way out. He's going to try to change that. And I think he's going to come in with more of a positive attitude. And it's been talked about his camp wanting him to come to Brooklyn to help change that perception.
1: Yeah. And I think that Kyrie as well, you know, obviously, when there is a, a, a negative perception towards you from, from outsiders, you, know, you don't want to have labor and, and continue to make that sort of linger at your sort of second destination where it's sort of supposed to be sort of a fresh start. You're, you're creating a new. Um, so I, doubt, I think that there's going to be motivation for Kyrie to be a bit more cohesive when it comes to warming to his teammates. Sort of you know, Obviously, he was somewhat of an outsider. I think he took the LeBron leadership route but he doesn't have the LeBron leadership credentials. Um, So he can't necessarily, that was sort of his role model for for so long in in the sense that, you know, that's where he learned leadership from. He was guided by a leader in that sort of sense. Whereas now I don't think that the, the emphasis of leadership is going to be just on him. You know, Al Horford was sort of a guy there, but he's a lot more quiet spoken. Whereas we've got guys, a guy like Spencer Dimwitty, who is outspoken, intelligent, um, and I think is, you know, a, a similar sort of wavelength, like I mentioned to Kyrie. I think he's going to have someone to bounce ideas off. And I think that, like you mentioned, Nick, adding in those vet guys is going to be crucial. You know, retaining a guy like Jared Dudley, I think is going to be incredibly important. Be it Zamari Carroll, whoever it might be along the wings. You know, you need those sort of guys just to sort of temper things down to be sort of the bridge between the coaches and the players and the the, the players and the younger players, the vets and the younger players. Um I think that despite the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic, I'm excited, um, I'm, a, I'm a mixture of emotions and adjectives, you know, there's, there's still a long way to go for, for the Brooklyn Nets to become, you know, a bona fide contender out East. You know, I don't think we are right now with just Kyrie replacing DeAndre Russell. I don't think it makes us that much better. It does because Kyrie Irving objectively is a better player like we've spoken about, um, but we still have a ways to go.
2: Yeah, there's still a lot more dominoes to fall in for agency, you know, from Kevin Durant to Tobias Harris to who, what they do with the room exception, or do they fill out the roster differently and just sticking on the Kyrie front you mentioned we kind of touched on the efficiency, there's just like a lot of things that he can do that make you feel a little bit better. And I think having other ball handlers in Brooklyn, where you look at that uh, Boston team and a lot of guys weren't necessarily playmakers for others. You know, there wasn't necessarily a great backup point guard. Terry Rozier had a really bad season. You know, Jason Tatum can score for himself. Jalen Brown can't really create for others. The only guy who's really helping the offense run is Al Horford. You get him with two guards and Karras Avert and Spencer Dinwiddie, who can, I think, make his life a lot easier. And you mentioned the relationship with Spencer. I'm really interested to see how they develop that on the court because I think it's something that could really work well because both guys are extremely intelligent.
1: Oh, absolutely. Incredibly intelligent. And I think that the three-guard lineups now – I think are going to be a little more cohesive. I'm, I'm using that word a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, guys. Give me a break. Um, but I think that there's there's room for experimentation. And I think that Kyrie is going to enjoy Brooklyn, you know, uh, more than probably any other destination. I'm really excited to see, you know, even just preseason games because we got a glimpse of what we could see, you know, from Carisvert and DeAndre Russell in preseason games against the Knicks. Um, and a lot of that stuff sort of panned out, you know, same with Rodion's. So obviously he'll be used sparingly. I'm really intrigued to see what his medicals are, how he is, you know, doing, you know, physically, um, obviously he's had that time off, but you know, he's going to have the best training stuff like we've spoken about. Um, but there's just so much things. I don't think we're going to be able to cover it completely in just one episode of Brooklyn buzz. And thankfully we've got probably months to do so. Um, and I'll be doing some plenty of video breakdowns too, um, but is there anything else you want to touch on before we move on from Kyrie?
2: I think one thing to just point out, and this is the optimist, you know, I'm the more positive one on the show, is this last season, he did not have an off season to, you know, improve his game. You know, 27 is when you enter your prime. Last year, he's coming off to knee surgery. So this year, getting with, you know, arguably one of the best player development staffs in the NBA, we saw improvements in older players game so far in Brooklyn. Damari had a great season within the first year he came to the Nets. It would not surprise me we saw Kyrie pick up his game a little bit. I don't think he's going to hit some crazy new level, but if things improved a little bit, I would not be surprised just because of the system the Nets run and the player development staff, and you mentioned the medical team. There's a lot of things trending up. Obviously, there's some you know nervousness around the knees, but I'm excited to see what the Nets staff can do with him because we know not just Kenny, the entire coaching staff is excellent helping these guys develop. Yeah, you would normally say that this is when – you know peak sort of yep. uh,
1: players and uh, really sort of get into their prime from that sort of 26 to 29 range and, and beyond that is sort of when you get a little bit worrisome um obviously there's been a lot of talk about small point guards with Kemba Walker and Chris Paul Kyrie Irving has a little bit of size about him you know um he's not as tall as the answer Russell obviously but I think he'll age better um mm-hmm. in a in a lot of senses because he has you know an, an incredible three point shot probably Maybe the third or fourth best uh, point guard shooter, I would say, you know, Stephen Curry and, and Damian Lillard are one, two. And then probably, you know, Kyrie, Kemba are, are probably three and four. You know, whatever you want to sort of chuck those around. Um, but Nick, in terms of ha- how confident are you that we are going to see a better season from him? I, I know we sort of just touched on it. And you know, probably Curry's Kyrie's best season was that championship season. And I think last season goes under the radar was probably his second best season, Um despite that first year in, in Boston being, you know, a bit of a tumultuous year with, with the injuries and such. Um, do you think that we are going to see Kyrie take another step up? Do you we think we're going to see Kyrie, you know, sort of level out and this is going to be his sort of peak level and he'll maintain that? Or is he going to take a, a step back? What's going to change about his game? What's going to stay the same? Obviously, just forecasting ahead at a very early stage?
2: I think a lot is going to, you know, I'm going to take a cop out a little bit that it's going to depend on who the next free agent is and how many touches that person demands or if, you know, if it's Kevin Durant who's not going to probably play into the next season or is that Tobias Harris? I think we could see a slight improvement. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a huge bump like I mentioned, but around this level, I think if you were to get this for the next two to three years from Kyrie, like you mentioned, the efficiency is really good and it went under the radar because Boston's season was so up and down if you know it's a better season for him i think he's getting a lot more love for the numbers he put up like it was pretty close to a 50 40 90 season and obviously we know it's only been done in the teens you know in terms of nba history
1: yeah i think malcolm probably did it last season but it's really hard to do it on you know when you have a a high a high usage rate as Kyrie does um but I guess we'll move on to some D-Low stuff, and there's been plenty of sort of questions about it, Nick. And I guess we'll jump straight into it. Uh, Michael Zuckerman, how can the Nets deal DLO in a potential sign and trade? Have any mock trades? Um, and Link has come up with one: sign and trade dealer to Minnesota or the Lakers. A possibility? Can we get a pick or two from either of these teams?
2: Minnesota definitely has some picks. L.A. is pretty light on picks after that uh, nope. whole trade. So uh, I think most chance in the sign trade, unless the Nets were taking on a bad contract, which I would doubt they would want to do because they're using their cap space you know, elsewhere, uh, it would probably be just like a second-round pick and maybe a third team gets involved and they have to send a pick to take some of their contracts. Because if it was Minnesota, they have to either drop Wiggins or they got to get rid of um, Teague and uh, Gorgie Dang or they have to trade like Robert Covington. Like obviously, Covington would be the easiest to move because he's an attractive player. Yeah, that'd
1: be amazing. But yeah. If if I mean, if you want to take advantage of the of a rookie front office, but I think that they they're pretty pretty savvy down there with, with what they're doing um, in, in Minnesota. Um, D Rock has brought up D for Kuzma. What assets do the Lakers have remaining? Literally, that's it. D Rock. They've got Kuzma. <laughs> D
2: And it's going to go into your cap space. So I think like the nets are probably going to stay silent in terms, in terms of uh, depending on what they hear from Kevin Durant, there's no point in them rushing on a sign and trade. The sign and trade can't happen until after July 6th. anyways, so like they want to make sure if they're taking back contract, there's no shot at time to get KD or Kawhi or any of the players that's going to require them to have max cap space. If they were to be open to this, it'd be more likely they'd be going after Tobias Harris, who would be a little bit cheaper than some of the other max reagents, and then trying to get back a good player or getting back some picks. But usually in a sign-and-trade scenario, unless you're taking on a bad contract, the recent you know sign-and-trades in this new CBA have been just like second-round picks in terms of compensation.
1: Yeah, um, and real G's move in silence like lasagna, one of the best <laughs> line lines of all time. I love that line. Um, I-, I wouldn't discount, I-, I think it's hard to come up with the mock trades, and I think that you sort of, you know, rattle off those names. I wouldn't want any of them in a bullpen-nets uniform apart from Robert Cummington. You know, obviously Tyus, um, Tyus Jones is a... restricted is a free, free agent. Restricted free agent. Yeah, I-, I get him mixed up with his brother for Duke as well. They, look um, alike. they do look incredibly alive. Um, and, uh, I, I wouldn't want to have Wiggins on my team. You know, obviously that would be
2: horrific. Um, I would cry and I would have to take back everything I ever said about Sean Marks and all the positive stuff. I think that whole like scenario that was mentioned on Twitter and that the uh, Wolves approach the Nets is just like the Wolves approach the Nets and the Nets hung up the phone. Like there's no chance of that happening.
1: Who would you cry more if we got, um, Andrew Wiggins or Josh Jackson?
2: I would cry more. That's tough. Like, Josh Jackson's worse on, like, a personal level. But, like, you can get out of that contract soon. Like, Andrew Wiggins, you're screwed. His contract is terrible. That's arguably the worst contract in the NBA. Like, it's that bad. Like, I don't know. Andrew Wiggins is, like, a fourth or fifth starter maybe at best. But, like, his basketball IQ is just questionable. And I, like, don't like to take personal shots at players. But he just hasn't gotten better.
1: Yeah, no, he hasn't at all. And, And I think that since losing TJ Warren, obviously, in that sort of dump deal with Indiana... I think he could have been a nice piece that the the Brooklyn Nets could have added. He had like a nice sort of cap number and such. Obviously, if we were to do that and sign and trade with mm-hmm. Delo, I'm not really sure of many other assets. I know that we've offered um, we offered the the sort of offer sheet to Tyler Johnson in the past. I don't think he would need yeah. any more guards. That's for no. sure. No, um, for sure. <laughs> There's literally no other names I can necessarily think of. Um, a lot of them, th- those th- those other names are unrestricted. You know, guys like Rashawn Holmes who could be a decent sort of backup big. When we chatted about the, the sort of free agency stuff, but um, in in terms of DeAndre uh, Russell, Nick, um, obviously it's a little more bittersweet for me uh, because you're 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 a LeVert head, uh, <laughs> Levert, a LeVert stand. Um, I'm not necessarily a Delo stan. Um, but I'm a D-Lo STA, Let, let's let's put it that way.
2: You're almost there. It's like we're playing horse and you just need the last letter. <laughs> That's um, it. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, D'Angelo, like I love what he did. And like I mentioned, he was big for the franchise, helped change the perception, had a great year, got them in the playoffs. We enjoyed him play, you know, that Sacramento game. Never forget that in my entire life. Probably never forget the Lakers game where he got revenge. He's obviously going to be coming for revenge with the Nets. But also I think D-Lo doesn't feel that sour because the Nets helped him get to that level that he's at right now. He's not getting to that level most likely without the Nets and the coaching staff helping him get there. So I don't think there's any bad blood. And I believe a report came out before the Kyrie news was Delos' preferred destinations this summer were Brooklyn or LA.
1: Yeah, and I think that it seems to me that with all these sort of, you know, the general Woj bombs, Shams bombs, and everything that's sort of happening around that, there would be some sort of leak from you know DeAng from like Chris Brickley or, or D'Angelo's agents um, in that sort of sense to go you know DeLo is unhappy with with how things have happened he's frustrated mm-hmm. um, and he can't wait to get out of Brooklyn you, you you almost sort of expected that you know we we sort of see that you know left right and center you know these guys are incredibly plugged in so the fact that that hasn't happened I I think shows that the foundation that was built and and the base level of relationship with Sean Marks and especially Kenny Atkinson. Um, you know, Kenny, Kenny was, a, was a huge part in the development of DeAndre Russell. I think a lot of credit does go to D'Lo. Yeah. I, I'm going to put it on him. You know, everyone's just like, well, he wouldn't have turned into to what he is if it wasn't for Coach Kenny. Yeah, but I think he probably could have done it in a lot of other situations as well. I don't think he was going to do it under Byron Scott, but if you give him an average coach, I think DeAndre Russell was always going to be an all-star. He might not be the peak where he goes, um, and I'm intrigued, and I, and I like the fit, you know, alongside Anthony Davis uh, and LeBron James. Obviously, that's third sort of guy. You know, his catch and shoot is, is outstanding. He's an incredible shooter and an incredible passer. And, you know, a, a nice sort of third guy. When we spoke about, in you know, a lot of reviews and just analyzing him as a, as a prospect on a championship team, that number three guy is almost that perfect fit for him. Um, he would obviously, his usage rate would need to go down, and he's not necessarily used to that. He loves having the ball in his hands. If we sort of hark back and, look and compare it to, to situations in Miami uh, and in Cleveland, you know, essentially D'Angelo Russell's the Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis is the Kevin Love, Chris Bosh. Um, and I think Kyrie Irving showed that you can be incredibly successful, still get your own, still hit some massive dagger shots alongside LeBron James. And I think LeBron is going to have to take a minor step back for obviously AD, for d low, for these sort of guys because he is aging. He is superhuman. But at the same time, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Davis are just starting to hit their peaks. They're going to be, you know, running LA for however long it may be. You know, obviously D'Lo isn't there yet. Um, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to suffer because, you know, the, the Lakers are just a, a hated team. And I'm, I'm going to almost be forced to, because I love D'Lo so much, you know, get a, a, a D'Lo T-shirt jersey. But um, I'm going to be repping this one till the day I
2: die. And I mean, like you like LeBron as well. I like LeBron as well. So it's going to yeah. be easy to root for the Lakers. I like AD as well. So like, I'm not going to mind if he goes to LA. I know some people hate it. And I think maybe if you don't want to give the coaching, uh, coaching staff a ton of credit, I think the Nets organization providing him the stability, which he talked about when he came to Brooklyn, how it's just a completely different system from when he was in LA, coming to Brooklyn where things are kind of laid out for you and helping you get better. I think it has a positive impact. Obviously the player does, you know, 80 to 90% of the work. It's just about how, who puts them in the right uh, route to do that.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Nick, we'll, we'll speak about this harking back to, to Kyron before we ever move mm-hmm. to bias Harrison, KD, and some other questions um, in the chat. Um, how worried are you of this being a DeWan Williams uh, 2.0? It, it seems to be bumping off in the chat a bit uh, around that. I don't think that it's necessarily going to happen. You know, four years, $141 million. You know, Kyrie Irving's going to be 31-ish at the end of that deal. I don't think he's going to age horribly. He does have injury history. I don't think his passion for the game can be questioned as much as, as it was for Deron. um Darren, I don't know how to actually say his name. I don't really care. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't think he cares because he's not playing anymore. He probably no, could still be in the NBA if he wanted to as well. He's still getting paid as well. But I know. What, what are your thoughts on that um, comparison? I think one thing you nailed it right on the head the passion. You cannot question Kyrie's passion. Kyrie wants to be great. He demanded a trade because he wants to be a number one guy. He wanted to have the spotlight. Darren Williams like did not like the spotlight. He didn't want to be this guy. That when Paul Pierce and KG got traded to the Nets, they talked about wanting Darren to be an MVP-type candidate, and he just didn't show up that season. He scored zero points in a game. He took eight shots. Kyrie would take 20 shots and miss them all and still keep shooting. So I think the demeanor of the players is completely different if you want to say he's going to age badly, whatever you can say. But I think that Kyrie's game is extremely crafty, and even if he were to lose some of his athleticism, I still feel really confident about him. Uh, um, uh, Darren's ankles went. Like, his ankles just went bad. He had no crossover, and that was his go-to move. He really didn't have much else to his game other than shooting threes. So I think he just aged badly, and then the passion wasn't there to get better or try to improve his game in other ways to help him maintain that level. Yeah,
1: I think that Kyrie Irving you know deron williams you know before i was a, a massive follower of the nba obviously know a little bit about nba history he was an, on chris paul level you know second best point guard in the nba mvp conversation you know Kyrie uh had has had that as well to an extent you know he's a top 10 top 15 player i think that we're going to see hopefully if we see the the best version of kyrie irving we could see an mvp candidate in in brooklyn obviously You know, a lot does have to fall his way. But let's start out jumping into these questions. Michael Zuckerman's got a couple of good ones. Do you think a big three can actually happen? What percent would you give for Irving, Durant, and Jordan all playing for the Nets in the 2019-20 season?
2: Well, let's uh, put it straight up. If they sign DeAndre Jordan, he's not the third piece of the big three. Like that's just not who DeAndre Jordan is right now. It's but... Levert, obviously. Yeah, it's Caris yeah. That's Caris LeVert taking the jump and being that guy. And then you even make an argument that maybe you could get one of the other guys to take a huge jump. So I think if they sign KD, DeAndre Jordan seems extremely likely to sign. It just seems like he's just gonna go wherever they go, have a good time. He likes living in New York. He doesn't really have to play the full, you know, starter minutes. He could back up Jared Allen or start 20, whatever it may be. I think it's pretty likely for that to happen. I don't think it's a guarantee, but we know that the Nets are one of the finalists for Kevin Durant. Like, it's an official thing. He's going to engage with the Nets, the Knicks, the Clippers, and uh, Golden State when free agency starts. So you got yourself in the conversation. That's all you can do at this point. KD wants to make the decision on his own. You're going to try to convince him. You do have some attractive things now that you have Kyrie to kind of help you push that. You do probably have the best medical staff out of those teams. And then also you could argue that the Nets have the best core of players to surround him with already there.
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't argue with that. I I think that DeAndre might even sort of try and lure. And I mean, we had this minor argument about why Kevin Durant would want to go to the Knicks, but I think DeAndre might try and lure him to, to the Knicks. I think that, DeAndre might have this mentality where it's like, he enjoys just being, you know, playing at MSG. He enjoys the, the Mecca, so to speak. But, you know, my, my, um, I'll give a percentage of it as I you know, sort of think about it. But I think that, you know, Kyrie Irving is obviously on the Brooklyn Nets. I think DeAndre is going to be a Brooklyn Net or he is going to be a New York Nick or whatever Kevin Durant lands on. You know, maybe not if he says Golden- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe if he's not a, <clears throat> a Golden State Warrior, but, I think DeAndre's, you know, going to be on in New York one way or another. The percentage I'd put on it, um, I, I can't put it at any more than fifty percent, but I am going to go like thirty five percent because I don't have a, an immense amount of confidence until it's starting to be, you know, heavily reported. You know, Kevin Durant is this guy who we can't necessarily predict. You know, he's now like, all right, I want to team up with Kawhi. Where did that come from?
2: Yeah, I felt like that report kind of got, like, a lot of people came out and said, like, Whoa, would you mentioned that. And then after, like, he was on ESPN afterwards, and he was like, oh, I wouldn't say it's actually going to happen. It's just a possibility. Like yeah, he, um, he, 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 like, b- backpedaled on that a lot after he stated that. I,
1: I mean, there's so many, you can divulge and analyze every little tweet and character that's tweeted out by these guys, you know, to the nth degree, but... You know, I, the, I think that main one that came yesterday and I was like, oh, the Brooklyn Nets are the first team that Wode's listed. You know, it was Brooklyn Nets, New York Knicks, Clippers, Warriors. I think that was the, the list in order. Um, the Nets were in with the chance. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that, you know, next season, you know, it's not worth analyzing it, you know, to the fullest degree just yet because uh, I don't think you can. You can't forecast next season without Kevin Durant when you don't have him Kevin Durant. And you can't forecast two seasons ahead when you don't have Kevin Durant, who's not healthy yet. And the Achilles hasn't fully healed yet. And we haven't even seen him play basketball yet. And he's, you know, walking around on a scooter uh, <laughs> around Manhattan. And he looked pretty cool doing it. He looked
2: pretty He uh, so just want to go to the city to search for KD. <laughs> it
1: to be hard to find. I mean, be that scooter. I wonder how fast do you reckon you could get on that scooter around like Manhattan, around like, you know, Midtown?
2: Depends how strong the other leg is. You know, it's like your skateboarding True. pretty much.
1: He's got so, pretty skinny legs. Uh, but we'll, we'll give the percentage, I guess, Nick, before we move on to some other ones.
2: Yeah, I, I think 35 is good. Uh, Corey and I a little discussed it a little bit on the NBA. We put it at a 40% chance. You know, I think the Nets would be either first or second. You know, they'd be in the, out of the top four of that team. I think the Clippers are mentioned, but also a lot has come out has Steve Bombers kind of like gotten to Woj's ear a little bit. I don't think it's the high chance that he goes to the Clippers because it was just a week ago It was Nets, Knicks, and Golden State. So I don't know if the Clippers really have a true chance. I think there's a real probability he goes back to Golden State. The Knicks would have to pull something out. Right now, they're not in a position really to get KD unless they can convince another free agent at this point. And I'm not sure who that free agent would be. If it's Kawhi, I'd be surprised. But it seems like the top three for Kawhi are going to be Toronto, Clippers, and now the Lakers in that mix.
1: Yeah, I, I I dislike the Lakers narrative. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. I didn't like it either. Whether it's Thoughts, yes, sir. whether it's me, yeah, whether it's media created. I mean, I uh, I get it from a basketball perspective, but you know we can chat about that. You know, obviously on the outlet tomorrow. But uh was dumped in again. How will the division play out this year? Obviously, next season, can the Nets win the division? I mean, let's look at it from two perspectives, I guess, Nick. I think that, obviously, if we were to get KD Tobias Harris, we can sort of divulge and and analyze the Tobias Harris news as well, which has just been reported by Ian Begley, and has been probably one of the lingering rumors as probably long as as Kyrie Irving has been, if not much, much, much longer. Longer Tobias Harris, yeah, Tobias Harris has probably been the number one, probably first free agency rumor that was sort of spoken about. and. You know, the, the fluctuation of, of desire to, 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 to get him in, in the Brooklyn Nets franchise has been up and down, up and down like a, a, a wavy roller rollercoaster. Um, so I guess we'll address that question while also addressing the to biasing. So how will the division play out? What do you think? Obviously, it's an incredibly, uh, it's almost an impossible question to answer until you know July 15 or August.
2: Yeah, because we look at Toronto. Toronto loses Kawhi Leonard. They're, they're a playoff team probably but they're not a top four seed. You know, they're dropping in. They're just getting to the playoffs. They have that because there's a lot of aging guys in that roster. You look at Boston, the Nets are probably a little bit better than Boston. You know, Kyrie's better than Kemba Walker. The rest of the core, you can kind of argue that. They lost out Horford. They're only going to have a room exception to bring somebody else. We know the Nets at the very least are going to get either some second tier star and Tobias Harris or fill out the roster with other veterans, maybe not. So I think they'll probably be better than Boston. And then Philly's just a toss up. If they steal Tobias Harris, from philadelphia obviously that weakens them and gives them a better chance of taking them down and the whole jimmy butler thing jimmy butler doesn't really seem sold on wanting to go back to philadelphia with all the reports coming out hey i'm gonna i'm having my meetings in miami i'm gonna give houston a chance i have some really big interest in signing with the heat because of the way they treated Dwayne wade so now it's like hey if philadelphia were to lose those guys you could easily see the nets bump ahead of everybody but like you said we're not gonna know to july 15th because. The entire division depends on free agency. And you could argue the Knicks could get in there if the Knicks somehow It's unlikely if they land Kawhi. But if they do, they're in the mix as well.
1: Yeah, and I I think if you're analyzing each team individually, like you said, Nick, you know, the the Knicks could get Durant. The the Knicks could get Kawhi. The Knicks could get DeMarcus Cousins. The Knicks could get Julius Rana. Who knows what you can't analyze it at this sort of stage. You can analyze maybe the Boston Celtics. Hypothetically. (laughs) Hypothetically, you can analyze them probably the most because it seems incredibly likely that they're going to get Kemba Walker as well, similarly as the, the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie Irving. But at the same time, you know, where's their center? You know, they're going to have to add some guys around the wings too, similarly to what the Brooklyn Nets are going to be doing. You know, the Toronto Raptors, if they were to lose Kawhi Leonard, they take a massive step back and are probably barely uh, a playoff contender. Obviously, you saw Pascal Siakam, who is still peaking. Kyle Lowry is is in his sort of twilight years as is Marcus and the rest. Um, Daniel Green's an unrestricted free agent too. Yeah. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets aren't a finished product yet. Um, and, and obviously, you know, every team and the Philadelphia 76ers. On that Jimmy Butler stuff, I think Jimmy Butler really knows how to play the media well with the whole Minnesota stuff, Rachel Nichols, the jump stuff, all True. the stuff leaking out. I think he's playing the media like a fiddle. And I think he's using it, this is just a, a personal opinion, and he's using it for leverage with Philadelphia. And, and I think that that's an incredibly good ploy by him and, and his agency because that fifth year, I think that they are hesitant to do. Even though I heard on some ESPN pods the fact that the ownership and, and Josh Harris has told you know reporters that they are going to max out their guys, they are going to max out Tobias, they're going to max out Jimmy. I think they would be wise to do so because I think there's a real opportunity for a championship here, um, and I think that if you have the opportunity to do that, you do it. And obviously, with Ben Simmons uh, are on the horizon, getting a big deal in restricted free agency at some stage, you know you need to to maintain those assets. So I think that if they lose one of them. If Philadelphia were to lose Tobias Harris especially, I think it would be an absolute disaster with what they gave up. True. You know, Landry Shammett, their core essentially, their, their young pieces, the future draft picks, uh, and you lose Tobias Harris for nothing. And you've lost not only Tobias Harris, but you've lost all these young assets, which could have been you know, a nice nucleus to provide some depth, but which they so sorely lack. It would be a disaster. Um, and the Tobias Harris with, with the Brooklyn Nets stuff, I guess we can analyze that. I think we've said and we've made it well known on the buzz that if we get to buy Harris at the right price, I'd be incredibly happy. Um, I'm not sure what that right price is. Four years, 100 million dollars, be pretty happy with that. Anywhere above 105 and in that sort of 110 million dollar range, I would get a little bit sort of irky. Um, but at the same time, you know, you don't know how a contract could be structured. Is it forward ended? Is it back ended? True. Um, That's a great it's, point it's really hard to sort of think about it, but it seems to me, I think Tobias Harris will have some suitors. I think that he'll be an incredible fit in Denver. I think he'd be an incredible fit in Utah. Um, I think that there's a lot of teams that could use his services for the right price. He would get the best price in Philadelphia. Would he be the best fit in Philadelphia? I have no idea. I think it's really hard to sort of analyze after 40 games or so, including the playoffs and such. I think he'd probably be one of the best basketball fits right now on the Brooklyn Mets. And he's yep. made that known too on the Yahoo Sports sort of draft show where he was sort of saying what he prioritized. He prioritized ball movement and style of play. Out of the teams we've spoken about, Denver and Brooklyn probably have the two prettiest and almost... And you know, Denver just uh,
2: re-up Paul Millsap so the space isn't there anymore. Did they? I didn't even see yeah, that. Yeah, they, they picked up his option for the $30 million, okay. which was one of my biggest surprises. I didn't expect them to get it. I get the aspect of them doing it because, hey, I we would get any other players... But, I mean, they got Paul Millsap back, so now they're kind of out of the race. Utah picking up Mike Conley kind of hurt their chances. Yeah. But we, Tobias Harris does have one thing in his side. He's the best power forward on the market. It's a very thin power forward class. There's not even now Nicole Miritich just went back to Barcelona. That's one guy off the list, not saying they're on the same level. But, hey, you don't really have as many backup plans with some of these guys getting scooped up. So he holds a little bit of leverage, like you said. Price-wise, definitely would prefer for it to be in that 24, maybe a $27 million range. You don't want to really... You don't want to touch him at 28, 29 or 30 plus because that's when it gets ugly unless you really, really think that he can make a jump, which I'm just not sure there's that much more of a jump in his game, especially defensively. I think that's a concern. And the lack of aggression is a little bit scary for a guy who's going to be paying big bucks. You kind of want to see him take over. There's moments in the playoffs. Obviously, Philadelphia was stacked, but you'd like to see him kind of attack his matchup a little bit more. And you mentioned, you know, what does he want basketball fit wise and also what type of option does he want to be? If he goes back to Philadelphia and they bring back Jimmy Butler, he's fourth option. Like, you know, it's it's a completely different thing if you're going to the Nets where your third option maybe uh, 2B or whatever it may be. He's right there. So it's a lot of things about what Tobias Harris wants and does he want to take a discount to be close to home? We know he's from Long Island. He does have some ties to Atkinson's brothers. So a lot to develop on that front. Obviously, he's not going to be their number one target, but he's not a bad backup plan at all in my eyes.
1: No, not at all. And he has shown, you know, uh, a propensity to be incredibly healthy, incredibly consistent as well. He's a guy that can put up 25 and 5 on you, uh, you know, 23 and 5 or something around that sort of range quite consistently on incredibly good numbers. Um, You know, he is a a very adept three-point shooter, despite the fact that he didn't show that in Philadelphia. I I think that the, the basketball fit wasn't necessarily the best. I think that the basketball fit in Brooklyn would be really, really nice. Mm-hmm. You know, he's this, essentially the same age as Kyrie Irving. You know, they're not necessarily old. I think Tobias Harris has a, a probably higher likelihood to, to maintain his consistency because he doesn't have an injury history behind him. And I don't think that he has you know, a wear and tear effect to him by having the ball in his hands. You know, he's proven he can just be that sort of spot-up guy. He'll get his own. He's incredibly efficient. He knows how to create his own shot. And next to Kyrie Irving, I think it would be a really nice fit. The number one thing that we sort of said is, what is your ceiling with Tobias Harris? Your ceiling with Kevin Durant is championship team. Your yeah. ceiling with Kawhi Leonard is championship team. To a lesser extent, Jimmy Butler, it's near championship level because, you know, he's proven French, it on the planet. Yeah. And he's proven it in the playoffs with Tobias Harris. I, I, you don't know because he hasn't proven it at that stage yet. You know, if he if he had been on the Clippers in this postseason, I would have been incredibly fascinated to see how that fit was, um, because you know the, the the offense runs through him. Um, I, I, I'm going to throw out just a, a wild name just because I can, because you know <laughs> we, we've got the podcast, we can do it. Um, and I know it's a guy that you've never really been a fan of, but I've always to Yes, you
2: know, it. You, know it well. <laughs> you know, I honestly don't hate it as a backup plan. Yes. Like, I don't think it's the worst thing. He's an expiring contract, extremely tradable. I've looked at it, I've thought about it, and they, hey, they pick up another first-round pick, and he's an upgrade out of Al- over Alan Crabb. I think, you know, defensively, there's a bigger drop-off from him and Tobias Harris. But I'm, I'm not completely opposed. I think his fit in Brooklyn will be really good. And there was actually a decent amount of talk when he signed with the Clippers that the Nets were one of the teams he was looking at, and the Nets were looking at him because of the fit in the offense. Yeah,
1: and I mean, if you want to like the his play his playoffs were 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 pretty pretty positive. I think he had a pretty positive um, postseason. And he can create his shot. He's an incredible three point shooter. Um, I think our defense will obviously, you know, take a step back, but I think that, you know, Tobias Harris isn't necessarily, you know, reinventing the wheel with his sort of defensive yeah. acumen too. When you got Jared Allen, um, sort of holding it down there and he's going to continue to grow, you know, I, and I think that you add other pieces around it. You know, I think that the, the power forward position, the wing position is one that we're going to have to certainly focus on. We've obviously got a guy in and Prince, you know, he's, we've spoken about him before His defensive acumen really does need to, to grow. But, um, Tobias Harris, Kevin Durant, it seems to me that these are the guys that we're looking at um, and, and focusing on. And I think that both of them would make the Brooklyn Nets a better team. And if you're looking at the holistically as a whole, if, if we were to get Tobias Harris for the right price, for the right price, um, it's going to be a successful you know, um, free agency for sure marks. You know, when we were talking about you know, just a couple of weeks ago and, and, and Coach Kenny was like, you know, we've got plan A, we've got plan B, we've got plan C, we've got plan D you know, plan A is sort of done or plan, you know, plan A minus, whatever you want to talk yeah. about, because he's not Kevin Durant. Kyrie isn't Kevin Durant, Um, but Kyrie Irving is at least healthy. So, I mean, that's certainly, he's one of the, he's the third best free agent available right now. And we've got him. That's, uh, that's a pretty impressive achievement.
2: You could argue second with the Durant injury, because not saying that I don't think Durant's going to come back healthy, but you know, some people will make that argument.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that, Uh, I think that Kevin Durant is going to come back probably healthier than any other guy who's done an Achilles injury before. Um, But, you know, it's going to be a fascinating, you know, in in less than 24 hours time, we're going to be jumping on and, and smashing out this entire free agency class and, there's already stuff that's been confirmed already, and it's not even uh, July 30, American time, you know, 6 p.m.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we got, obviously, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Nicole Vucevic rumored, Clay Thompson rumored to be back. Like, there's so many big names already off the market before it even starts. And I think one crucial piece, depending on who they sign, if Kevin Durant were to sign, it's not as big a deal, but if they were to go Tobias Harris or get Gallinari, a lot more becomes of what the Nets' confidence is in Karis LeVert. Can he be that second option? Can he be that guy that can be the second best player in a team or be that 1B to a Kyrie Irving or something like that? I think if you're, you're signing Tobias, you're praying that he makes a jump or somebody else in the roster being Jared Allen, you know, Rodion's or Torian Prince make a major jump.
1: Yeah, um, it's going to be fascinating. And I mean, there's going to be plenty of stuff to analyze going forward. Kyrie Irving is the first piece. Um, let's see how the rest of the jigsaw fits together.
2: Yeah, 100%. Do you have any other backup plans in mind if the Nets do not sign Kevin Durant or Tobias Harris or make the trade for Gallinari?
1: Um, I can't really think of any. I think Julius Randle's been one that's tossed around, which you know, we're <laughs> abject, not fans of, and we've made that very, 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 very clear. Um, I can't think, like you sort of mentioned, Nick, the, the sort of wing market outside of you, your top guys uh, takes a real sort of step back. Um, you know, you could add a Danny green type. I'm not hundred percent sure on, on a short, shortish deal. Um, but I think you just got to add talent and I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, yeah, you know, I know you, you've done a, a, a million podcasts for the NBA outlet with Corey uh, and a few other guys at OTG. So you might have a bit of better knowledge than me. Do you have like plan B, C, D, uh, up your sleeve?
2: Uh, I think you start looking at maybe the Morris twins, you know, as possible power forwards. Nikola Mirotic was a guy you'd probably look at at the right price. Like I mentioned, he's gone. Paul Millsaps now off the market. That was another guy you could have considered on a short-term deal. Like I said, the power forward market really isn't out there. Maybe you get nervous and you make a swing at Kevin Love. I don't know if that's something that the Nets would want to interesting. Get into. Interesting. You know, he would be a fit, but you don't know how good he really is, and can he? You know, his numbers haven't really been efficient the last couple of years, or really ever. So it's like, are we risking paying all that money to him? I don't
1: think he's been. I don't think he's been inefficient. I think yeah, that
2: I looked. I picked at his numbers recently, in all of his years in Cleveland, I don't believe he shot over forty-five percent from the field. Obviously, a lot of that is shooting threes, but yeah. from like a big, and you're being the third wheel. You kind of want the third wheel to be a little bit more efficient. Obviously, he's never been in a position where he's like the second option, really, on a non-LeBron team, which is playing with LeBron to a different animal than probably any other player in the league.
1: Yeah, I I think that Kevin Love is is an interesting thing. Um, I've always been a fan of him. And I think my my fan has grown with with him and DeMar Rose and being so forthright with their um with everything that they've spoken about in relation to mental health has been, you know, awesome. And Kevin Love is looking fit, by the way. You know, he does look him. really lean. I know. He looks he looks slick and I think that... He's going, to, he's going to surprise some people in this coming season. Uh, I'd prefer to probably see him on a Portland. Um, I think that that could really take them to a new level. Um, but I know a lot of people aren't Kevin Love fans. Um, you know, Will's Will's brought up the fact, bring back Brook Lopez. And a lot of fans in the chat aren't aren't big Kevin Love fans either. Some are Julius Randle fans. But, you know, there will be, it's just a couple of days away, a little less than a couple of days away. But, you know, we'll be analyzing all these teams, including the Brooklyn Nets. Um... And, and what happens over the, the, the coming hours, essentially. Yeah,
2: we'll be live tomorrow at 6 p.m. on the NBA Outlet talking off-agency news, you know, depending on how long that goes. And if the Nets were to land Kevin Durant tomorrow, we will definitely be doing a live buzz whenever that happens, if it does happen or whatever for agent signings. You know, we got to do this a little bit early because the Kyrie news popped off. But also, quick shout-out to Jared Allen, who was selected to be part of the USA Select yeah, team. So that's uh, great for him to train with some of the best basketball players in the world.
1: Let me just throw some shade at all the Knicks fans. Um, <laughs> Mitchell Robinson gets selected. And I know, and, as soon as I looked at the comments, like the top rated comments were like Mitchell Robinson, like, and he's like stats or whatever. Um, AdaSL, uh, big fan of the show. You'll think KP will sign that max. I haven't heard anything. Uh, that has come out and Dallas has, intends to throw the max at him. So um, KP would have been a nice fit, a very, very nice fit. Um, but it seems Dallas intends to, to retain him.
2: And that was the right move by them. Obviously, they traded a lot to get him. It never really felt like he was leaving Dallas. The Nets would probably meet with him, but it was never really going to come of anything.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it'll be fascinating to sort of see everything that sort of happens in, in the coming days and, and weeks and, and what this Book and Nets franchise turns into. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm giddy. It's, it's going to be a, a fun couple of days.
2: 100%. So uh, I'm really intrigued to see what happens. Obviously, you know, a lot of different things can go. Just quick thought. Do you think there's there's probably a 0% chance the Nets were to land Kawhi now?
1: Uh, I'd I'll, I'll give it 1% because you never say never. Um yeah. But, yeah, for everyone else who's, who's watching YouTube now or subscribed on YouTube, make sure you, you get those notifications going because uh, you want to get those notifications because we're going to be doing plenty of shows for the buzz, for our outlet, and, and every other show uh, that is on the OTG network because you, you yeah. want to be live. You want
2: to be joining for this fun. Subscribe. Make sure you get on there because, obviously, the shows are just going to pop up. Last year, we recorded a couple of things. Next thing you know, LeBron signed. We had to do another show. So we'll be doing these live shows over the course of the next week. For the outlet, for the buzz, whatever it may be, as always, appreciate everybody checking in, leaving comments, questions. Jack, always a pleasure. And you can check out the show recorded podcast-wise, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, otgbasketball.com, and that's dash radio and Google Play.
0: Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine.